I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to another episode of Marcus Meets, a show available via iTunes, which works on any Apple device, or Acast, which works on iPhones and any Apple device, as well as any other type of phone out there. You can listen any way you want by going to marcusbronzy.com forward slash meets. That's M-A-R-C-U-S-B-R-O-N-Z-Y dot com slash meets. Now it's time for part three of Funk Butcher's Marcus Meets. He's a popular guy. He works with a lot of people, uh, including someone that I'm about to ask him about. In this episode, we also talk about his production processes, uh, big budget sounds on a budget that's not necessarily enormous, a change in his relationship with DJing, a change with Duke Demont's relationship. Duke Demont, uh, a top chart in worldwide house producer, a change of his relationship with DJing. Um, Funk's relationship with the Grime MC Trim and loads more, of course, when Funk joins us in part three of this four part Funk Butcher Marcus Meets combination. So we kick it off by talking about a production output of his called Funk Bias. So I say to Funk, what is Funk Bias? Funk Bias is very simply the The amalgamation of yeah. myself and Zed Bias. Funk Butcher, Zed Bias, you get Funk Bias. Didn't take too long in the studio to, <laughs> to think of that one. Is that a five minute job? Yeah, five minute job. <laughs> <laughs> took us, took, it definitely took us longer to make the music than it is to think of the name. So yeah, yeah, shout to Zed. How did that come about? Um, that came about once again through, uh, my connection to Phil Asher. So Phil Asher was playing at his album launch party for Deep Electronic Sounds. Yep. And um, that was in East Village, which is in um, central London. Um, not too far. It's a venue that's closed now, but it was not too far from Old Street Roundabout. Yep. And uh, Phil Asher was doing his album launch party. They was playing there with Zanzikar, Mighty Zaf, and um, uh, Zed Bias was there. Zed Bias had come down from Manchester. That's where he lives. And that was the first time we actually kind of like physically met each other. Um, he'd heard of me because obviously I'd put out at the time my release on uh, Phil Asher's Rest of Soul label, the Streets of Africa uh, track. Um, and yeah, so things kind of just really just kicked off from there because he appreciated my style, the way I kind of built my drums and, and, the, the level of productivity that I did and it was, it was really quick again ideas down and whatnot 
And the next time I came back from um, Ayanapa, I, I believe when I came back from Ayanapa in 2009. Yes. So when I came back from Ayanapa in 2009, um, I was, I remember being on the, the, the phone and I think I was just sorting out some legalities with the, a, a tune I'd done with Shea Soul. Mm-hmm. called Pull Me Close. Mm-hmm. That was the first release on, on my own label, Houseology. And I was just sorting out some legalities with Cameo because Cameo wanted to put it out, DJ Cameo wanted to put it out on a, a compilation CD that was coming out on Ministry of Sound. Mm-hmm. And I just got off the phone and then I was chatting to Zed. Um, I was chatting to Zed as well. Out, coming out of Manchester and just cracking out some music, um, talking about the future and whatnot and which direction you want to go in. And when I got up there, we literally just kind of like, we hit it off, started making music, made about four or five tracks that day. And we thought, you know what, let's, let's see what we can do with this. So this is like around, I think we're coming into like 2010 when I actually got up to Manchester. So it's a long train journey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think I, I think that time I actually did, uh, I took coach. Yeah. I took coach to Manny. Oh, that, that explains it. Then. Yeah, that yeah, explains so, it. Yeah, so that's that's why I got there a year later. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I arrived up there, and um, basically we we done the music and whatnot. And at the time, um, Zed was not well, still is, but at, at that specific time, he was kind of um, just beginning his uh, music relationship with Lofa, I believe. So. The, the logical place for us to kind of like shop the music was for it to go on Lofa's imprint, Swamp 81. So we put out two, uh, two track vinyl on Swamp 81 and it kind of got a lot of, um, cult following and, and appeal on kind of like an underground level. And yeah, kind of got snapped up globally and, and whatnot, but. That was the beginning of that situation. And we fast forwarded to most recently last year. Last year? This year? Because so much has happened. Um, and we reconnected again, made uh, two EPs, um, both of which have come out on Southern Fried Records, which is the imprint owned by um, Fatboy Slim. And yeah, that situation, um, it was an interesting one. I mean, we felt that the situation could have gone a lot better than it did. Um, We were anticipating that coming into a situation where a label such as Southern Fire would get behind us, that they could obviously push a lot more of the music side of things and we can kind of sit back and be real creatives and not have to kind of like get our heads involved and muddied with all the other kind of politics and the the the, the real insane part of music. The, the bit that actually makes people fall out of love with the music and the music industry, which is the actual business side of it. So we actually wanted to kind of like be able to kind of have our uh our creative hands like on on the aspects that that we were more skilled in and 
um, you begin to obviously learn that even when you have a what you believe to have a, a very strong and um, palatable product, it is still very difficult to kind of get that initial traction needed. Um, no matter what angle you're coming from, whether it's uh, a strong brand or an, a strong known brand or an emerging strong brand um, based on the quality of the product that you're putting in, it's still very difficult to kind of get that traction going on the, on the industry level. So, I mean, no no kind of digs or, or, or fault of Southern Fried Records. It was just one of those situations whereby we had to kind of sit back and be like, okay, cool, we, we can reconvene this at a later date. I mean, be, before this, we're, we're mates. I've, I've gone up there and stayed up in Manchester when I've gone through some, some tough times. And, and, and likewise, we've had kind of like conversations about stuff that he's been going through as well, um, in, in his own life. So, like, on a, on a brother tip, it's all good. So we can pick it up and, and put it down whenever we see fit. It was just a case of we don't want to force things. That's why we probably felt that the gap between the Southern, Fried release and the Swamp 81 release was kind of like so vast. It was kind of like, why'd you wait five years to put out a next record? It was just like, well, when the time's right, the time's right. Do you know what I mean? Not to sound like I'm, I'm flipping Kanye out here, but like, <clears throat> seriously, I don't believe in kind of forcing the art. Um, I'm, I'm playing to my own drum mm -hmm. and I'm trying to do that in every, in every aspect. Obviously, I am aware that time is of the essence in, in some capacities where if you take too long, people will grow tired of you and your brand and what you represent and whatnot. So you actually do need to keep on top of things and keep, um, keep the, the, the momentum and the, the attention on you. But you don't do that to the detriment of the quality of the product that you're putting out. Otherwise it sounds a bit homogenous. People won't be able to differentiate one tune from the other if you churn it out at such a rate. So we felt that, yeah, just give it a break. When we're ready, we'll just, we'll do it again. Like I said, it's like, whenever we've made the music, it's probably been more impromptu than anything. Obviously, we're going up there to make music, but what comes from the sessions, they're literally jamming sessions where we're just kind of like, yeah, they're, 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 they're not contrived in any way, shape or form. They're literally just a vibe and we get that and we hit that record button and then we just, yeah, arrange it. So... So your production process, you literally get in the studio, mm -hmm. have some fun, mm -hmm. get creative, and then that's the output. Yeah. Wicked. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I've kind of, that's the way I've personally gone about with my own production technique. Like whenever I've produced anything, anything in my catalogue, I've never um, used stuff that's um, that I've previously worked on. I've literally worked from the ground up when, and I work. And what I mean is that if I take project a, so to speak, I'll start from the beginning, finish it, complete it. And then that's done. I'll never revisit that product and take bits and pieces and elements from it. I, I completely start afresh because then I feel a challenge, mm. so to speak. If I ever was, if I ever felt that I would need to kind of, revisit certain elements like take the drums from there take that sample from there take that synth from there take that vocal from there from a previous project that I've worked on that's when I feel like I'm I'm beginning to enter into that world of of a contrived like um, manoeuvres to to 
to, to basically to generate something that that isn't natural mm. I think that's that's the only way I can kind of like phrase it it's because what I'm then trying to do I'm trying to tap into a certain um like energy or or, or whatever a, a geist that is actually prevalent in the here and now mm. whether it's through social media or otherwise or in the clubs or and I'm trying to tap into that knowingly as opposed to the way I kind of tend to make music where I'm just like, well, I don't really care if the the audience isn't really dancing to that per se. This is what I'm connecting with. This is what I'm vibing with. Mm. And sometimes I'm a bit early on it. Sometimes I'm a bit too forward thinking the stuff I've made where like people haven't caught onto it until a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And, sometimes, and sometimes there's there's things I'm making where I'm a bit late. I've had to kind of feel that, I want to like this at my own pace rather than jump on the bandwagon, so to speak, when, when things, when people are talking about everything. Okay. And do you think, um, does Zed Bias follow a similar sort of process as you? Like, have you got a similar mindset when it comes to approaching music? Yeah. So, what's the, what would you describe the output that you guys create? What's Funk Bias? Um, in terms of genre? Yeah. If you want to put it in a box like that, I don't know. I know you like funk. Yeah, I hate, <laughs> I, hate, I hate pigeonholes. Pigeonholes are pigeons. So, yeah. um, literally, to be really, really lazy and bored, it's just, it's just good electronic music. I thought um, you, I thought you were going to just say music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just music. It's just yeah. music. That, that, that's that's too bored. But yeah, oh uh, no, on on a level, it's just real good electronic music that me and me and Dave believe in. So, aside from that. Um, the, the the whole production process is literally we're going in there, we're catching the vibe, we're just going to this angle, and we're very rarely, um, like omitting stuff from the from the session, right? And that's that just shows you how natural it is. So if if that thing comes springs to your mind, even though you it might not sound right to you we're kind of going out on a whim and saying, you know what, leave it in there. There's a reason why that, that you drew, you drew for that sound or you drew for that chord progression or you drew for that, that drum hit or that, that little, that little off hit mm. on the, on, 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 on the note. There's a reason you drew for that. Sometimes when you try to go back and polish it, then you, it gets a bit contrived again. So yeah. let's just go with your first instincts. Yeah. Know, let's say first impressions count yeah. and let's see what comes of it. We mix it down and, and, and then that's what we're getting. So that was the funk bias process. And it's interesting having that process between two people because sometimes you can get a clash of opinions work with, with two people. It's very difficult to co-produce mm. um, with someone because they might just be ideologi- ideologi- ideologically opposed to the the direction you go musically. And um, it's it's quite refreshing when you're on the same wavelength as someone musically and you're just like, yeah, you like this? It's like, yeah, you're cool. Yeah. That's, that's like, you know what I mean? Generally, like, yeah, I'm vibing off that kind of thing. Mm, mm. And you just, and you just go forward with it. Wicked. Um, so one, a production tip, this is the point where if things get a bit technical, I'm going to try my best to explain because yeah. Funk's very knowledgeable about production equipment. I'm all right. <laughs> no, you are. You, you've got <laughs> so your current production process, everyone has a different style of production yeah. process. Yeah. Um, we know that you like to go in and feel the vibe. How about the technology side of things? Like what's, 
or some, you know, let, let us in on a few things that you like to use. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for producing the budget. And it's, it's, it's weird because I actually had um, a little Twitter conversation a couple of days ago. That's short. It's not like a long thread. It's, if you want to go scroll through my timeline, it was between myself, um, Teaser, Logan Sama and Zombie. And we were basically zombie i think zombie kicked it off he 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 made the statement basically alluding to the fact that um a specific genre we'll just not mention it grime that there was a contingent that had come that was coming into grime that were using like simps that were really on the upper end of the market mm-hmm. and i immediately kind of connected with what he was trying to say what he was what he was basically getting at is that you can create elites and elitism within music and music production when you associate a sound or a production style and you link that to like overpriced equipment and gear yeah so the beauty of um the times that we're living in is that it is really all inclusive it's like Music's like the NHS, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you, just, you just rock up and you get your tablets, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, or you get your asthma pump or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. What where, what has is trying to happen in some facets of music and some genres is that it's becoming so clicky, so bougie yeah. that it's becoming determined on, oh, what gear you using? Oh, let me take a picture of my studio or how much vinyl have you got? And, this, and there is that kind of elitism within music. So coming back to my whole production style i really try and kind of produce on like a budget so to speak Mm. Uh, obviously that's that's very difficult because at some level you do need to invest and spend and obviously you like you can't um you can't skip past and and cut corners when it comes to quality Mm. of your sound You, you will get found out eventually yeah but in terms of how you get those sounds i mean once you've got a basic knowledge of how to engineer a sound clean it up get a nice eq it then recording those sounds and where you get those sounds from that's that's going to be a doddle once you've got your basic daw to actually input the sounds in and arrange them so you did it you did it daw please explain to listener what daw is funk i mean just basic layman terms the dnw is just the program and the software you would use to kind of like input your 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 palette of sounds so that would be like whether you're using Logic Pro X, um, Ableton, Cubase, Fruity Loops, whatever. Mm. Is, that, is there any of us? I think that's it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there, if there was something. Yeah, Reason. Yeah. 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 And apologies if you do already know about this and you're like, I know already. Yeah. All right. Yeah, but, um, yeah. yeah we've got to explain it to Just everyone. Break it down. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, so I use Logic Pro X. Um, I know some people are still on Logic 9. Yeah. Um, my people for people out there that want to know why i've transitioned to logic pro x i found personally the the um for me it was the 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 time stretching um, aspects of it of how you kind of can manipulate the samples it, it's it seems a lot more slicker than it did online and i the reason that, that is important to me is because I produce in machine not as a plug-in I produce a machine as standalone 
that means that that's another program and hardware by the way yeah yeah so that product machine yeah is a is a hardware software program it's actually physical hardware that you get and you obviously get the program that goes with it and it's basically in this in this simplest form it's a sampler but it's a bit more than that um so standalone mode it means that i open up machine as aside from the daw logic pro and i produce a range in there and i arrange pretty much like from a 16 16 to a 32 bar drum loop any kind of synth work i do in logic but i get all the drums i get all the kind of the feels and whatnot and how i want the the movement of the drums to kind of um to operate i do all of that in machine and the reason why the time stretching thing is of importance to me is because i'm exporting out um 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 the the waveforms so i'm not using midi in logic so it's very so the waveforms is just you probably know it's really high quality audio brings mm-hmm. that out and you're not exporting midi and midi is uh basically information that tells you what note is being played in certain areas I'm yeah not, if i'm right yeah, oh, yeah that's pretty much it um so yeah so funk's pulling out big audio files from machine and putting them into logic yeah and stretching them yeah and and i'm doing that because and that's why the stretching aspect is important to me because with midi any kind of alterations or, or or changes in the track is very easy to do with MIDI, but because I'm using the 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 WAV in Logic, mm-hmm. then um, I rely on any kind of last minute changes and whatnot to be. I, I need a program that can kind of implement those changes very quickly. So uh, the only program obviously that does it better than that is probably Ableton. And if you're really 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 good, um, like. Cubase is amazing. I've seen that Zed is a, is a wizard on Cubase and the way he uses it and whatnot. But for me, I've always, um, um, what's it called? Found it more comfortable with Logic. Mm. What I'd also like to get is that it doesn't matter what you use. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, like if you're good at it and you can kind of articulate your sounds, this, that's all it is. That's what it matters. So whether it's Logic, Fruity and whatnot, but that's kind of like my, my, my process in, in producing. So, yeah, I do all my arranging in Logic, but my ideas, I get down very quickly using machines. So that's why I've been um, singing his praises from whenever. When, when did I get it? Around about 2010, I think I first got it. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Native Instruments. They're the ones who are winner there. So I'm not even on the the Native, uh, the Machine Studio yet. I'm still using Machine Mark II, but it, it does the job, man. What, whatever, any, whatever you like, you like. Yeah. It's interesting because, uh, I mean, what would you say to people that say it doesn't matter whether the salt went in first or last, it's, it's what the soup tastes like at the end of the day? Um, With the salt being the programs yeah. and stuff like that. I think they're right to extent. I think they're right in terms of music production. I feel as long as you are creating however you create, I mean, here's the thing. We're kind of going going into the territory we were talking about the ghost producer thing. As long as as long as you, as long as you're as long as you are the architect of the sound and the product you're making, then how you come about that, you you could just be uh, like showing new and um, innovative innovative ways of how to get to that point. Um, kind of browbeating someone on a a technical aspect of how they process the the whole the whole saga to get to that that end goal <clears throat> seems a bit like it's nitpicking that's where the whole the clicky 
bourgeoisie of music, that's where they rear their ugly head kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Interesting. So that's a bit of machine there, bit of logic. That's funk. Um, I know this is your 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 episode or, or your episodes, but uh-huh. I think I'm, I'm I'm falling in love with production. You know, yeah. like I've I've produced audio, obviously. Yeah. You know, producing this and, yeah. and and working on how to kill an hour with the mm. great teams of people that are involved. Yeah. But it's definitely an interesting thing. Is it is it a thing that once you start getting your head around music production, it it can become addictive in a way that like you can lose time. I'll tell you something, yeah, and I don't think I've actually admitted this publicly, but over the years, my first and desire to DJ has waned it actually has like the thing that keeps me in the game is the production actually being able to create something from scratch that it's going to exist forever when I release it on my label when it goes goes for the aggregators and it goes on Spotify iTunes whatever kind of thing that to me is so much more fulfilling I actually can't begin to articulate what it feels like to get that sense of recognition and and the the pride you get from making something and people liking it mm. as well that you that is completely from scratch and then there's another facet to the buzz you get when someone i don't know you you really kind of respect or or, or admire plays your stuff as well so i mean you you go through you go through a process of you get your first gig and you you get gassed and then yeah. you you get a bigger gig and you gassed and then and then you begin to think to yourself like hmm like there's there's got to be another way where you can be that fly on the wall and actually gauge whether or not they're into you or they're into you kind of thing so I feel like when you're on the stage and people are being polite and they're cheering to you and whatnot and um, I mean, this is the majority of the crowds. Obviously, the British are very kind of polite, but whether you're in the crowd and you're you're doing your thing and you're rocking the crowd and you're doing your DJ set and people are people being um, democratic in the sense of they are voting for you with their feet, they're dancing. The stronger form of getting that accolade and respect and admiration is through someone on the other side of the world, doesn't know who you are, doesn't owe you anything from Adam, buying your tune or leaving a really kind of complimentary comment on your SoundCloud account. or and That feels like that's worth his weight in gold. So I was, when I started to experience that, I started to realise that, yeah, this this buzz is, is a lot greater than the actual, the live DJ set. Not to say that I don't like DJing, I, I like it, I enjoy it. There's, um, I feel like I've got a very decent sense of music and musical taste and I'm very and I'm very aware as well in the club as to what works and what doesn't. So I know that I know that the the concept of being a DJ is bigger than just going out there and and educating. It's it's a it's a combination of educating and entertaining at the same time. But beyond that DJing and then playing your own music in a set and seeing a crowd reaction and it's just like yeah can't be beat mm. so what does your DJ set consist of then is there a lot of funk which just slipped in there <laughs> <laughs> you see 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's, that's where, again... That's, this is part and parcel of being a DJ. I feel like being a DJ, you can either make it all about yourself. You have some egotistical DJs on the market out there. And there's the part of DJing where you have to be an educator. You have to show the, the audience, the crowd, okay, well, I am a representative of this genre. Let me show you about this genre. So for you to go out and play a whole heap of tracks about yourself kind of thing, that's not reflective of the genre that you're supposed to represent. So we're all flag bearers, whether yeah. you're, um, what's it called? Whether you're, you're shorty blitz, whether you're DJ pioneer or, 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 or Duke Jamont or, or whether you're Logan Sama or whoever of their respective scenes. And they're all flag bearers for their respective scenes, whether it be hip hop, grime, house, whatever. And they come into those worlds flying the flag and pushing um, pushing the the, the the message of what that sound represents to encourage people to, to kind of like fall in love with it. The danger you have is obviously the, the way the market has gone now is that it has, it has meant that a lot of DJs have been, they felt they've got no other choice but to become producers mm. because it's actually, they've had to add another facet onto their, their whole branding. And when they do that, when they become producers, ultimately what they end up doing is because they start playing all their own shit. Yeah. They start forgetting the whole DJ side of things. All right. So the DJ slash producer, the DJ side begins to get eroded because they begin to have this, this, um, this moment where they, they're like, well, I've invested my time and my energy and my money in promoting other people. Now it's all about promoting me and what I do, but they don't get the balance right. Mm. Mm. You mentioned Duke DeMont as a flag bearer. Yeah. You tweeted him today. Yeah. What what happened? I, I'm, I'm so ignorant. Yeah. Funk sent Duke DeMont a tweet saying, um, you took it really, really well today. What, what happened? Yeah, Duke DeMont, he's, he's out in LA. I think he's relocated now. And I think he's at about three or four number ones in the UK charts here and he is kind of on 
the the commercial side of house music that's what his chart music is representing but he plays a lot of and he has produced a lot of underground house music as well so he was out in LA and I think the venue had kind of like an overlooking balcony of the balcony was overlooking where his his actual DJ setup was the CDJs and this mix and whatnot and people were throwing bottles and yeah they were throwing bottles they were spitting and yeah, he just obviously he had enough. Who would put up with that? Did he walk off? Well, yeah, he gave a warning. Fair dues to him. Yeah. Some of us would have just like been up them that spiral staircase to the. And some people would have been doing somebody. S- I would have thrown them into the DJ booth. Yeah, exactly. And then come back. I, I would have gone up, thrown them into the booth, and come back I down. Think, I think a couple would have done the the, the Superman impression. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, fair dues to to Duke. He, he gave them a warning on the microphone, saying, okay. "Look, yeah." He mm. said, basically, 99% of you love you guys. You're here to hear the music, to hear me play. And I want to carry on doing what I'm doing, but I can't be working under these conditions. And it carried on and he just cut his set short. So yeah. I'm not sure what's going to gonna happen as a result of that. But yeah, I mean, it that's another side of of the DJ, which some people don't really think about. I think... The consumer out there, they believe that once they've bought their ticket, their entry into it, that entry not only provides them to whatever, to dance the night away, to take as many selfies in the toilet, it also entitles them to um, control what the DJ plays, to have some sort of autonomy over the DJ's playlist for that night. When then you see it, um, yourself, you're a DJ, when someone comes up to the DJ booth and they've got their their phone screen with a whole list of commandments on there and you must play <laughs> Ten, ten commandments yeah, the of tunes, commands, yeah. more than ten it's like 25 commandments yeah, yeah so and it it's, it becomes frustrating because you as a DJ again you're kind of caught in that in that in that um, in that situation whereby do you entertain do you represent yourself do you kind of play it safe and just kind of satisfy the needs of the customer and whatnot and walk away with your your your, your five star recommendations or do you kind of like yeah do you do you push the art from a little bit and and, and give a bit of yourself creatively mm. and yeah that must have come about because they quote unquote felt that he wasn't playing the right music but again he is the headline act so in essence they're there for what he represents mm. so yeah but the behaviour anyway was discussed anyway so yeah it's terrible terrible behaviour okay moving on um Another great team bit of teamwork that you're that you're handling at the moment for yeah. one of a better set of words. Trim. You can all pretend to be me now. You can buy a trim in every vending machine. It comes with its own flow and several beats. Couple marshmallows, other edible sweets. The Grime MC turn artist. Uh, you're doing some work with him. But first things first, how did you two bump into each other, get to know each other? I think it's on the football pitch, yeah. Um Years ago we used to go Bartlett in um Bartlett Park in Bow or Mylan sorry and we used to be over there playing football that'd be me Trim who'd be over there Scope who's the, um, he he's on stage a lot with Dizzy Rascal mm-hmm. um, a Rapid um, Tinchy Strider gosh for the guy and I mentioned the people in music that were kind of over there so that's so that's basically the rough squad lot, um, and everyone kind of affiliated with that area, that Mile and Bow community. 
and we used to play like a lot of football matches over there on a Sunday and this is like years ago but we just kind of like hit it off from there like started talking and whatnot and it's it's always weird when I hear people um speak about speak about Javan because obviously they've obviously got their um their information from third parties third parties who necessarily might not get along with him so you're not really going to get a a um you're not really going to get a holistic picture it's going to be very biased depending on on where it's coming from and more to the point it couldn't be more further from the truth like the guy is just he's just a blessing he's just a really 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 cool guy who I'm 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 proud to call a friend mm. and we've always just worked in our respective fields and until recently yeah he just kind of like hollered at me and said how do you feel about being my DJ for these up and coming gigs like you you can he goes yeah I know, I know you're done you can mix this you can mix anything if you have you got any grime? Da, da, da. I was like, yeah, cool. It's just like, for me, mixing's mixing. Like, I'm I'm a music head. Mm. I I am a house specialist, but I listen to everything. So it's not like I'm actually stepping out of my comfort zone. I've I've listened to 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 grime for years and whatnot. And I was around those times when like grime was kind of well, it wasn't even called grime. It was just this sound that everyone was into when Dizzy was on was kind of coming through Nasty Crew sets on Deja and, and whatnot. And it was on the Roll Deep on Sundays and whatnot. So, um, so the sound is, is part of who we are if you live in East London. So it wasn't anything to kind of get the music together, all about a few mates of mine who are specialists in grime and just kind of fill the gaps in my collection. And yeah, so, so we started kind of making, that was the DJ aspect of it. The, the first tune that we've done together was, Trim Times Funk, and that came out on the Green Money label. Shouts to Alex Fonsi and Leo Greenslade, and he owned um, Green Money. So I'd recently put out a record called Shake Your Neck. That got a lot of interest at Black Butter Records, and unfortunately, because we couldn't clear the sample, we didn't really um, progress any further down that side of things. But it was still released and whatnot. And then the second release after that was Funk Times Trim. I put the market on. I think this is what Winnie and Clarky want. And the scab still got the lurgies. Or did he pass them on? He's a moving like Phaser's album. Flop. And this was um I wouldn't say it's it's grime per se. Um it's closer to uh, a scene in Chicago called Foot a scene in Chicago called Footwork mm-hmm. and it's closest to, uh, to that sound and um, What's, what is the Footwork sound? The Footwork it, it is literally it's funny because the, the dance that the dance scene that has evolved from Footwork describes very much in a visual way how the sound is represented it's very jittery very fast like double time. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't really heard it in 
like en masse on this side of the pond. Like you hear it in, in certain productions or hyperdub um, kind of had a few bits and pieces knocking around um, that represented that sound. But that's mainly because Code 9, the, the label head of hyperdub, he travels so much on that side of things. And yeah, people like Scratcher and um, um, Bok Bok kind of putting me on to um, where these this sound is more prevalent in. But it just shows the level of flexibility that Trim has. He's able to kind of sit on tunes which aren't necessarily from his innate musical background where he would have been immersed in in the early days and testament to that is when you listen to this album a lot of people call in the 1-800 album that he's just put out because he hasn't put out Crisis yet <clears throat> but when you listen to the 1-800 album everyone just says that this is brilliant because it's different like no disrespect to already to what is out there but what is out there is what is out there and what is out there is kind of we're, we're, we're kind of doing an omnibus edition if you miss Grime first time around, we're going to give it to you again. Yeah. Catch up. Get the, get the, get the, the BBC, whatever, the, the BBC iPlayer uh, and record it. Yeah. Where they got in, in the, in the US, Vivo, T- TiVo. Yeah. yeah Tivo. Reco- record it so, because you missed it first time around. That's, that's basically what's happening with Grime. So it might not be the same music, but the style is, is the same, which, um, some might argue, isn't but essentially it is the, the 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 concept the energy of it is it's it's very different from a progression of 15 years in hip-hop because in hip-hop 15 years ago the sound was, was completely different to what it is now whereas i feel like in grime there's only some elements of grime which are actually pushing the borders creatively sonically and giving you something that that it sits under that grime umbrella, but it is different. Mm. Um, that one eight hundred album is, in in my opinion, is that. And obviously, people say, "Oh, yeah," but you would say that. But I mean, if you could listen to it and say otherwise, that it is different and arguably could be the direction that grime is going in, then. And I'm as much as Trim, like, doesn't. He disassociates, he disassociates himself with the the core crime fraternity because of other kind of behind the scenes industry politics. Um, someone could argue that that this is a tangent that crime could be going on. I mean, that is just one argument that could be put out there. And we'll definitely see where that goes because uh, there's this thing called the secluded area of music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. yep. And am I right? That's an imprint with you and Trim. Yeah. So obviously that's, this is Trim's imprint. This is Trim's imprint. And obviously he's turned around to me as the person that's kind of working with him um, alongside on this journey. And he's kind of looked to his left and said, hey, well, it only makes sense to kind of like broker this relationship officially that we have you on board and we kind of cover each other on aspects that... Um, we can't do and we work to each other's strengths and whatnot. So the secluded area of music is an imprint that it's, it's an imprint that's very much in its infancy. 
um, in terms of what it represents holistically. But if you wanted to chalk it down to anything, it would more than likely represent the character of who the label head is. Like obviously, there are two label heads, but I'm, when I'm when I talk of the label heads character, I'm obviously talking about Trim. Yeah. So it is going to have that slightly gruff, very artistic, um, left field, unapologetic um, aspects to it as an imprint. So we're going to start churning out music, and and I'm going to have my ear very close um, to the ground curated a catalogue representative of that excellent and is that going to be a refreshing step for you to be moving towards a that area a million percent do you know the thing as a musician yeah you always hope for things to kind of push you into different areas and give you an, an, a new lease of life a new bit of inspiration and even when I when you hollered at me um, to kind of jump on board with how to kill an hour I was just like what this is this is this is different. And different is good for me. I'm not scared of different. There's yeah. one thing I'm not um, afraid of. I'm very adventurous. Pause. But um, <laughs> and um, what that means is that that allows me to to kind of like branch into areas that I would have no business in otherwise. Yeah, there would be no logical way for me to kind of enter into the podcast world unless I was wasn't shown like the door into that world. Now I'm in and then I've shown um, my, my level of, of, of competence in that world. And I mm. thought, like, okay, cool. And then it's the same thing with secluded area of music and doing the sets with, with Trim, whereby I've not only done the tracks with Trim, I've done a track with Trim and Nico, Lindsay shouts to Nico. And we've got other stuff. We've got stuff coming out on Trim's album, which is again, more left field and more experimental, but it allows me to kind of, again, enter into aspects of music which I would have no business in otherwise. And as long as I do it tastefully, with the utmost respect, then I should be embraced. If it does look... I mean, you have to be very careful how you do it because you don't want to kind of give off a vibe of, well, there's this smacks of opportunism. You just look like a guy that's jumping on a bandwagon here. Like, how can you justify this? And I can't, I can only justify this in my art. I have to let the art speak for itself. Mm. If I make something mediocre that you don't like, then I hold my hands up. But if I wholeheartedly put my efforts into it and, and creativity and give you something different and tasteful and respectful, respective of the genre that people have been slogging, what, 10, 15, 20 years more so to create, and if I contribute that, because I'm, I'm, I'm in no way, shape or form trying to kind of jump on the, on the coattails or be part of the conversation. I am just a contributor. Like many people, I'm just trying to fulfill my own, um, uh, selfish aspirations of saying, yeah, I've, I've contributed to, to this, 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 this amazing scene yeah. kind of thing, as well as contributing to house, as well as having, um, been on this radio station and that station and that station. So. I was too close to the ground conversation anyway to kind of not be influenced by it. Yeah. With being on Deja and, and Rinse and whatever, like it was, it, it, it was bound to happen. I remember, like, I remember Terra Danger saying to me, like, years ago, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna make some ground soon, you're gonna make some ground. He said that years ago, you're gonna make some ground soon, you're gonna make some ground soon. Shouts to Terra. And I thought to myself, 
yeah, it's 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 bound to happen. Yeah. I can't see why not, but obviously I have to make that transition natural. If yeah. I did it at that point in time when someone goes, you can make some go, okay, and I make it, then you're kind of you're kind of stopping and starting the sentence, so to speak. You have to kind of let the paragraph finish, so to speak, page break, and then you can kind of like go into something new. Well, sometimes if you're that close to something, it's bound to happen, right? Uh, in this case, it's getting into the world of grime. But what a knowledgeable guy Funk Butcher is, man. Plus, a shocking story about Duke Demont. I'm... Uh, it's weird when you hear people paying money to go and treat other people like that's odd um but there's plenty more where that conversation came from in our fourth and final section of when funk butcher joins us on marcus meets in the next episode this show was produced and hosted by myself marcus bronzy thank you to our co-producers billy wright milo fisher shane powell and david Shawcross. Special thanks to Wide Awake, a.k.a. CJ Beats and Jordan Crisp for the strings and intro music. You can listen to Marcus Meets via iTunes podcasts for Apple devices or on Acast, which works on every single phone that I know of. We would love your feedback in terms of of a rating and a review. If you're unsure of how to do that, we've left a link in the description where you just have to click and uh, then you're in. Give us a rating and review. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Marcus Meets. Part four will be with you very, very soon. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.